I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Verse 23, Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 33. We will look this morning from verse 23 of Mark 2 all the way to verse 6 of chapter 3. When you found that place in your Bible, I'll invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need? He and his companions became hungry. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to him, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Let's pray. God and Father, we know that in these words you intend for us to draw out meaning. You intend to teach us something. There's something you want to say to us. There are lessons here for the people of God that we very much need to hear. So God, please teach us today. I don't have the skill or the knowledge or the words to adequately convey the meaning of this text. God, you come through your servant, God, by your Spirit. God, let the words that these people need to hear be spoken. Speak to us clearly, God. Powerfully, God, by the words of this text. God, impart divine truth that we might be changed. Oh God, let us give our attention to the preaching of the Word, knowing that it is indeed God speaking to His people. Come now, by Your Spirit, do what only You can do in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. In the last few weeks, beginning in Mark chapter 2, we have seen Jesus begin to have some controversy with the religious leaders among the Jews. His ministry hasn't been going very long and it, almost immediately he begins to clash with the religious elite of his day. First, it was over forgiveness of sins, as he claimed to have the authority to forgive sins. Secondly, it, it was over associating with sinners. They said, Good religious folk don't associate with sinners. Last week we saw it was about fasting. 
They said, you're not fasting like you're supposed to. And Jesus finally tells them, you don't put new wine in old wineskins. I've come to do a new thing and it doesn't fit within the forms of the old religion. And here today we find a fourth controversy. Forgiveness associating with sinners, fasting, and now the Sabbath day. Another controversy with the religious elite. All of these things come down really to one question. Who has authority to determine what is right and wrong in matters of religion? See, all these are issues of religion. And that's what the tension is over. The Pharisees say that their way, their rules are right. Jesus doesn't operate according to their rules and their traditions. And, and so they don't like him. And there's this tension here. And the issue is ultimately, not just for them, but for you and I, in matters of religion, who has ultimate authority? Who do we listen to? Who do we listen to? You see, this, this passage is about the Sabbath, but what I want you to see is it's a culmination of a lot of different controversies. It's about more than just the Sabbath. It's about who's in charge in the area of religion. Who really has authority to say? I want to call your attention to verse 28 of chapter 2. This really is the central verse of this whole text. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That means not only the Sabbath, but He's Lord also of the Sabbath. What's He saying? I have absolute authority over the Sabbath, and not only the Sabbath, but all matters of religion. See, that's, that's the point here. Jesus is the authority in all matters of religion. That's what he's saying. When he says, I am Lord of the Sabbath, he says, I'm sovereign over it. I decide what's good and what's bad. I decide what's right and what's wrong. I decide what should be done on the Sabbath and what shouldn't be done. He said, I am Lord of the Sabbath. We say, well, what makes him Lord of the Sabbath? Because he's the Son of God. He is God come to earth. As Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That includes in all matters of religion. He is the authority and that's what He's come to establish. He's come to establish the new covenant that God promised to replace the old covenant so that God could have a relationship with His people by grace through faith and not based upon their own works. Jesus has come to, to do this new thing God promised. And He has come and He is in charge. He is the authority in matters of religion. They can't accept this and this is where the clash is. Now for you and I, here's why this is so important. Because it's important that we get religion right. The Pharisees were among the most religious people ever to exist. 
They were highly disciplined in matters of religion, more so than any of us will ever be. But ultimately, it was all for nothing. It didn't benefit them anything. So it's possible to be religious and be wrong. Do you know that? It's possible to be very religious and be very wrong. The issue is, will we submit to the authority of Jesus in all matters of religion? Well, what does that look like? How do we, how do we make sure that we get our religion right, that we submit to Jesus' authority in all matters of our faith and practice? Basically, we do the opposite of what the Pharisees did. In this text, they show us what not to do if we want to get religion right. We have to avoid making the mistakes they made. They refused to submit to the authority of Jesus. We must submit to the authority of Jesus. And that begins by avoiding the mistakes the Pharisees made in terms of religion. There are three in this text I want to show you. Here's the first one. We see it in verses 23 and 24 of chapter 2. Don't elevate tradition to the level of Scripture. Don't elevate tradition to the level of Scripture. What we see in verses 23 and 24, the disciples in Jesus are walking on the Sabbath and they're walking by or through a grain field. The disciples are hungry, so they're picking a few heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, taking the heads of grain and eating them, just having a snack. This was not their grain field, but in Deuteronomy it said this was allowed. You couldn't go into another person's grain field with a sickle and harvest their grain. But if you were hungry, you were allowed just to pick enough with your hands that you could eat. You couldn't gather it all and carry it home. But if you were hungry, you could pick heads of grain and eat them. And that's what they were doing. They weren't collecting a bunch. They were just having a snack as they traveled. Perfectly allowed according to the law. But it was a Sabbath day. And the Pharisees said they can't do this because this is reaping. This is harvesting grain. Well, Here's the issue. You couldn't work on the Sabbath, right? Clearly that was not allowed. The issue is, was picking a few heads of grain to eat while you're walking, is that actually reaping? Is that actually collecting a harvest? Is that actually working? The Bible doesn't say that it is. But the Pharisees said it was. You see, this wasn't a biblical issue. This was about breaking the rules of the Pharisees. They had their own traditions that dictated what was work and what wasn't. And for them, their tradition was just as important as what the Bible said, maybe even more so. They had elevated their tradition to the level of Scripture, and they equated their rules as being just as authoritative as the Bible. But you see, the problem is their rules and traditions, especially concerning the Sabbath, were absolutely ridiculous. You, you couldn't pick just a few heads of grain to eat because they said that's harvesting. 
you couldn't spit because it might hit the ground and disturb the dirt and that would be plowing. You couldn't swat a fly because that would be hunting. A woman could not look at her reflection because she might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it and that would be working. The rules like this, some of you would be bald-headed. The rules like this were heaped up one on another after another. These were extra biblical. That means they were not in the Bible. These were just the rules made up by the Pharisees. But to them, their rule was law. To break their tradition was to break the law, at least in their sight. This is why Jesus had such harsh words for the Pharisees. Listen to what he said to them in Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 8. To the Pharisees, this is what Jesus said. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would help you is korban, that is to say given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many such things as that. Jesus said, you have elevated your own traditions to such a place that you actually invalidate God's word in order to hold to your own rules, your own traditions. What was wrong with their religion? They elevated their own rules and their own traditions to such a high place that that's what mattered, not what the scripture actually said. Not what the Word of God actually intends, but their own interpretation of it. Their own rules. You can't break the rules. Now you listen to me. You may have your preference of what kind of songs we ought to sing and how we ought to sing them. But when you say, if we don't do it like this, it ain't right. You're stepping over the line. You're stepping over the line. You can't elevate your own rules, your own preferences, your own tradition to the place of Scripture. See, that's when you're going to start getting your religion crossed. Is when you say, they don't do it like I think we ought to do it. They don't do it like we do it, so they have to be wrong. You may not be a fan of having drums and guitars and trumpets or whatever in church, but listen to me. That's your opinion, and you can't elevate that to the place of law. Because I believe God created every instrument to be used to praise Him. All of them. I believe they all ought to be welcome in the house of God. See, but this is where we get in trouble. When you start thinking that your way is the right way and the only way and you don't make allowance 
when you have your way that you that you carry out your religious practices, listen, that's okay as long as it's within the scope of Scripture. But you can't take something that isn't scriptural and enforce that on religion and say this is the way it has to be. Are you with me? That's what the Pharisees did. They were legalists. They didn't care about anything but keeping the rules. Keeping the rules. We have to let the Lord Jesus be the authority in matters of religion. We have to let the Word of God be the authority in matters of religion. I need to move on. Here's the second thing we have to do. If we want to avoid making the mistake of the Pharisees, if we want to get religion right, here's the second thing we must not do. Don't forget the intent of religious practices. Jesus hears their complaint saying His disciples had broken the law. And in verse 25, He says, Have you never read what David did when he was in need? He and his companions became hungry. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he gave it also to those who were with him. Here's the story. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1-6. through 6. David and his men are on the run from Saul. This is after Samuel had anointed David to be the next king, but it's before David actually took the throne. You may remember Saul hated David and pursued him, wanting to kill him. And it, David was on the run for his life, and he didn't have time to collect appropriate provisions. He and his men were starving, were hungry, without any food, and they came to the tabernacle, which was about a mile outside of Jerusalem. Well, it was, uh, this was the situation. The only bread the priest had was the twelve loaves, what was called the bread of the presence. Every Sabbath day, the priest baked fresh bread and put it on the table the golden table inside the holy place as an offering to God. It stayed there until the next Sabbath when it would be replaced by seven fresh loaves. After the old bread was taken off the table, the priests were allowed to eat it. But nobody else could. It was holy. But what happened here? Well, David came to the temple and said, look, we, have, we're desperate. we don't have anything to eat. So the priest said, if you and your men are ceremonially clean, you can have this consecrated bread. Even though technically they weren't supposed to. The priest let them have it. And here's the important part. God did not hold David or the priest accountable for that. In other words, he didn't, he didn't punish them or say they were guilty for doing that. God allowed the ceremonial law to be violated for the sake of human need. John MacArthur explains it this way. Jesus' point was that showing compassion in God's sight always trumped strict adherence to ritual and ceremony. If it was permissible for the priest, a human priest, to make exception to God's ceremonial law in order to aid David and his men, 
it was surely appropriate for the Son of God to disregard unbiblical tradition in order to meet the needs of His disciples. If God allowed His ceremonial law to be violated to meet a real human need, then how much more can the Son of God bend your rules, which are not even God's rules, to meet the need of the disciples? The issue was compassion. Now, now, notice what he said in verse 27. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Here's where we get into the heart of the issue. They were forgetting the intent behind the Sabbath law. Jesus said the Sabbath was given to be a blessing for man. A day for physical rest and recuperation. A day for spiritual renewal. A day for God's people to be blessed, to enjoy. But the Pharisees had taken what was supposed to be a blessing and they had put so many of their own rules on it, so many of their own little bitty laws that it became not a blessing but a great burden. It became something that didn't benefit men, but it's something that made men miserable. It, it, it's not what the Scripture says it was supposed to be. Isaiah 58.13 says the people were to consider the Sabbath a delight. But the Pharisees had made it a drudgery by all of their rules and practices. See, see for them... It wasn't about the intent of the Sabbath. It's about keeping their rules. It's again, it comes back to doing it their way, according to their rules. They took no thought for what does God actually intend to be the experience of people on the Sabbath. Why do we actually do this? That's why Jesus said, God didn't create men just so He would have somebody to keep the Sabbath law. The Sabbath didn't come into play until after men were created. Men were created on day six. The Sabbath didn't come until day seven. The Sabbath was given to man. Not man created for the sake of the Sabbath. Understand what the Lord's trying to say here. Matthew 12, 7 this same event is recorded in Matthew and it shows Jesus saying this, if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Jesus there makes it clear His disciples were innocent. And He says they don't understand the Scripture that says, I desire compassion more than sacrifice. In other words, God desires compassion upon people even more than He desires you crossing every T and dotting every I and getting every rule right. What He cares about is people. The heart for people. This is what I need you to see. For Jesus, the spiritual disciplines, religious practices all have an intent to benefit people and that's what Jesus guarded against. Think about this. The two greatest commandments are to love God and love your neighbor. Right? Does those, do those ever take a day off 
showing compassion for people is the right thing to do every day. And any rules you make that would not allow you to show compassion to people in need are wrong rules. You see what I'm saying? They had lost sight of the intention of the Sabbath law. Why, why it existed in the first place. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's so easy to do this when it comes to religion. You lose sight of why we do what we do. And you get so locked into we have to do it a certain way. That what, what becomes important to you is doing it the way I like. And you don't even stop to think about why we're doing it in the first place. As long as we're doing what I like, I don't care. See, what your religion's getting all out of sorts when you start thinking like that. You got to stop and, and go back and remember why do, we, why do we sing songs? Why do, we, why do we pray and read the scripture? Why do we do the things we do in terms of religion? What's the intent? What's the benefit and the blessing it's supposed to bring to God's people? Have I elevated my own rules to a place that it robs people of the true benefit and intent of the Scripture? All the religious practices. Listen, this is what happened to the Pharisees. They got so locked in to keeping their rules. They didn't care if it benefited you or not. They didn't care if it was a blessing to you or not as long as you kept the rules. Listen, don't forget the intent of the religious practices. You want to get your religion straight? Remember why we do the things we do. Here's the third thing I need you to see today. Something we must not do if we want to get our religion right, if we're going to submit to the authority of Jesus. Don't allow your heart to become hardened. In verses 1 through 6 of chapter 3, we have Jesus in the synagogue on the day of worship, at the place of worship. There is a man there whose hand is withered. Now, watch what it says in verse 2. They, being the Pharisees, were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Now, I want you to watch this. The Pharisees have no concern for worship. They're in the place of worship on the day of worship, but they're not worried about worship. Here's a man with a legitimate disability, a legitimate need. They don't care about this man. What are they doing? They're watching to see if Jesus is going to break the rules. All they care about are their rules. Not even God's rules, their rules. Why? Because they want to accuse Jesus. They're looking for a reason to nail him to the wall. Why? Because he doesn't conform to their rules. Mark chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? Now that should be an obvious answer, shouldn't it? On the Sabbath day, is it good to do good for people? 
Does love your neighbor take the day off on the Sabbath? Certainly not. The answer is obvious. So what did the Pharisees say to Jesus' question? Well, they didn't say anything. End of verse 3, they kept silent. Oh, the answer was obvious, but they weren't going to say anything because they weren't going to acknowledge that Jesus was right. It didn't matter what Jesus said. Do you understand? They weren't going to hear it. That's why verse 5, after looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he was healed. Grieved at their hardness of heart. What is hardness of heart? They were unhearing, unfeeling, unmovable, unflexible. Jesus does what is clearly a good thing, an act of compassion. And how do they respond? Verse 6, the Pharisees went out and immediately began to conspire with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. They respond to what is clearly a good thing by plotting with the Herodians to destroy Jesus. Now the Herodians were Jews who were sympathetic with the Roman government. They were friends of Herod. Now Jews and Pharisees normally didn't like each other because the Pharisees don't like the Roman government. But here they joined together. Why? Because they had a common enemy, Jesus. So now Jesus not only has religious opposition, but he's got civil opposition. Why? Because he don't do things the way they want them to do things. They will not hear anything He says. It doesn't matter if it's right. It doesn't matter. They have absolutely closed their ears. Their hearts are hardened. They are stubborn. They're just like the Israelites in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. You remember when the twelve spies went into the land of Canaan to spy it out? And they came back. Ten of the spies gave a bad report and said, we can't take this land. The people are too big. The cities are walled. It's a beautiful land. It's everything God said it was, but we can't take it. We can't conquer this land. Caleb and Joshua begged the people to obey God. Don't rebel against God. Let's go into the land. God's going to give it into our hands. He said He would. Don't disobey God. But no matter how much they pleaded, the people refused to hear the Word of God. They were hard-hearted. And because of it, every single one of them died in the wilderness. And it was their children who got to see the promised land. Hard-hearted. Listen to me. You can get to the place where you say, I don't care what the Bible says. We're going to do it this way. There is a man who some of you know was a deacon in, at a church in Columbia, Mississippi, who in a deacon's meeting looked at the pastor and said, I don't care what the Bible says, we're not going to do it that way here. He had stood up when he, was ready, when he was speaking, and the preacher said, you better sit down for what I'm fixing to say to you. Listen to me. 
But you can get so hard-hearted, it don't matter what I say, it don't matter what the Bible says, it don't matter what any arguments from anybody else are. Your heart is so hardened, you're so set on it's my way. This is right, this is what I like, and nothing else matters. You can become so hard-hearted that your religion is useless. It's useless. You want to get your religion all out of sorts? then you let your heart become hard to the voice of God. You let your heart become hard to what the truth of Scripture is. Oh, what happens when your heart gets hard and you will not hear? Your heart is not sensitive to the voice of God, to the Word of God through the Scriptures. It really does come back to this, church. Jesus is the authority in all matters of religion. Not what you like. Not what I like. Not your preferences. Not my preferences. Not your rules. Not my rules. Jesus is the authority in all matters of religion. The things we believe and the things we do. Well, this is just the always the way we've done it. That doesn't matter if the way we've always done it's wrong. Then you change it. Listen, you don't keep a tradition just because it's a tradition if the tradition is wrong. If a law is wrong, bless God, you ought to change it. Amen? If a tradition is wrong, bless God, you ought to change it. If it's good and right, wonderful. But if we're going to get religion right, we have to avoid making these mistakes. Don't, don't forget the intent of the religious practices. Don't elevate tradition to the level of Scripture. Don't allow your heart to become hard. Let's pray.